Yo, what's up, baby? This is Burt Watson, and you're listening to Pro Sports Podcasters, baby. The best sports podcast on the internet. The only one I know. Your night, your fight, you need to get it right and listen to Pro Sports Podcasters all night long. Boom! We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. With your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. This is Colin Crandall, your host of MMA Power Hour and longtime credentialed MMA media member. You're listening to Pro Sports Podcasters. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm your host, Mr. Neewals Bruce, and I'm flying solo today, which is a change. Normally hear from Justin and or Kobe, but you got Australian today, so you're stuck with me and uh, deal with it. But that's okay, because we've got a, a guest in the house, who's going to be giving us some very, very good conversation. Joining us from California, he is, I guess, the the faces that you've come to know and love in combat sports. He's not only a commentator or a reporter, but he's also a historian when it comes to combat sports. He covers Bellator, UFC, and he was also featured in the Conor McGregor documentary on Netflix, McGregor Forever. It is the one and only Colin Crandall. Colin. Thank you. Thank you, Nee. Sorry to step on your words at the end. I wish my parents had lived to uh, see that brilliant introduction, and uh, I appreciate it a lot. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Very good. Now, Colin, before we get into the documentary and other things, tell us about how you got into the sport and covering it and how you got to be where you are today. Sure, absolutely. Very. That's a good question, and uh, I'll try to give the uh, uh, abridged version, as they would say when that was referring to old uh, encyclopedia or when people were reading things that they had to had to read. Uh, so, short version here, but with some detail. So, I was always interested in combat sports. I had uh, two uncles that boxed, and uh, one of them did well enough, but. Uh, basically had promised his uh his parents that uh if he ever lost he would retire and so he had he had about 20 i think 24 straight victories and then he lost and he retired but uh his brother had actually done uh better than that and stuck with it although he had a few losses his brother was a a state champion in two different states one of them was a larger state and then he was also uh competing uh, somewhat close to the world championship, being uh, having the highest rank of uh, number 10 in the world at welterweight many years ago. I don't like to give out names. I'm a bit private, but still he was. Uh, so he was a, a, a boxer of, a, of, of some note and then a referee for many years. So I had it in my blood. I was always interested in, in combat sports, and I found that I was uh, – I was interested in martial arts also from a young age, even though they were nowhere near as prominent as they are now. I'm Generation X, so 
I go back a, a good amount of years and you know, just to give you kind of some reference there, there was a, an interview from about 50 years ago with Bruce Lee that you can see if you look on YouTube, one of the few interviews that exist. And it was with a Canadian television host, older guy with kind of an odd haircut, gray hair. And he began talking to Bruce Lee. And one of the first things he, he said is, what is martial arts? And now the kind of the question would be ludicrous, ridiculous. I mean, everyone knows what martial arts is, but um, you know, fifty years ago, not so much. And you know, I, and so it was something I was quite interested in. And you know, and uh, you know, my memories are after Bruce Lee died. He died in nineteen seventy three, so my memories are a bit after he died. Uh, but I was always interested in that, and so I started uh, watching whatever boxing I could. And then in the uh, in the in the early 1980s, there was uh, kickboxing, which they called full contact karate, and I, I really got into that. And I would watch it no matter what time of day it was on. Back then, you couldn't stream anything, and uh, you know unless you had a lot of money you didn't have a VCR to record anything, so you were at the mercy of when things came on. So I found myself staying up at odd hours, even when I was quite young, without my parents' uh, knowledge. And uh, then um, I uh, knew uh, a guy and his son from training at a certain karate school for traditional karate, and uh, the, the son was a bit younger than me, and the father was a bit older than me. The father was a chiropractor. And even though I was quite young, you know, you do a lot of uh, sparring, you get some aches and pains. And so I would, I would once in a while get a chiropractic adjustment. And then he one day, I think it was around 1991, late 91, uh, he showed me some moves that he had learned from some guys from Brazil teaching in their garage. And, uh, and it was the Gracie brothers and it was a submission holes, very painful. I didn't understand what the hell it was going on because you know how virtually no one knew joint locks except for guys that had been involved in catch wrestling which went back in america for for decades but most people weren't familiar with and got interested in it then and i had a copy of the press kit for ufc number one uh in my hands about a year or so later by that time i had already had uh my friend show me a few different techniques and also uh he had a yeah, the copy of the press kit, and so I had the press kit in uh, in my hands, and I didn't believe I I had some doubt whether this event would happen because you know I you know didn't know what athletic commission would allow uh, bare knuckles uh, with uh, ground fighting and headbutts and mm. groin shots, and he said you know it was it was going to be in uh, Colorado, state of Colorado here in the United States, which didn't have any athletic commission governing combat sports at that time and so that's how it was allowed and so uh you know i was one of uh i'd say more than a handful but i was one of a, a very very few people that was aware of what was to come you know i knew that you know that uh gracie was gonna get these guys to the ground and they wouldn't know what they're doing well you know i didn't know how big the guys would be or how tough they would be until i i saw that first pay-per-view which i watched but you know, I was aware of what was to come, and I had watched the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu uh, number one and number two uh, in action videotapes, which showed uh, home camera 
they used to call camcorder footage of the Gracies uh, in fights from, I think, as, as early as the 1940s. I think the, their father had been in some fights since the 1930s, but I think there was video footage, very amateur video footage of some of those earlier fights and then some fights from the 1960s hmm. and some from the 70s and some from the 80s. So more than just the reputation and my friend having shown me, I'd actually watched I think it ended up to be about four hours of, of footage. So from the beginning, I, it was a passion of mine, and I really, really enjoyed it. Sometimes when I would have food delivered, I know a lot of the guys, young guys delivering food uh, were fight fans, and I they'd be, they'd be watching. They'd stop after they delivered my pizza, and I'd say, yeah, have a seat for a few. And they'd come in and watch some fights because I would um, I would have the pay-per-view, and then I would, uh, you know, I would uh, have it on a videotape. And so I would be watching the fights all the time. And then I started to find that some people, that there were some fights, you know, in different countries. And I would pay for a video, uh, you know, copy from a different country and watch wherever I could. And then I always was told I should get into the media aspect of it because I had on a smaller level, really, and really, really small projects done some uh sports commentary and some acting and, and you know some some smaller projects and there was always a passion both were a passion of mine and uh and but um you know joe rogan was was there and he was doing a great job and not only did i have no connections to try to uh replace him or become another joe rogan but i i enjoyed his work and i was doing my thing doing other things and but then as uh as you know, a couple of decades went by. A friend of mine said, "You know, why don't we, why don't we do something, man? Because this has been your passion, your point of reference is so large and so long. You got to do it." And and I jumped in about seven years ago, and uh, you know, got credentialed after a couple of years with UFC and all the other major organizations, and went to some of the best events. And and that that uh, footage from uh, Conor McGregor Forever was from the UFC 246 uh, pre-fight press conference and. I love that they put a few seconds of me on camera and then a few more seconds of me asking a question. The whole time I was on camera, though, at that press conference, which was released to millions of uh, viewers, was uh, nearly three full minutes. I was going back and forth chatting on camera with uh, Conor McGregor and, and Cowboy Cerrone at that press conference. That's probably the longest answer anyone's ever given you and. uh I apologize for doing a monologue, soliloquy, <laughs> and filibuster all uh, all rolled into one. Oh, good. No, no. A filibuster usually goes nowhere, but that was a very good direction that you took the conversation in, so much appreciated on that. Thank you. Uh, one of the, I guess, projects that you, you did, uh, I guess, bring to life is the MMA Power Hour. Yes. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So that was the project that I started with seven years ago when a friend of mine, you know, who had had some, some experience live streaming suggested I do a show. And I will uh, only take credit where credit's due. I was the one exclusively the thought of the name because he said to me, he, he had been, had some experience with MMA and came from Iowa where there was a lot of wrestlers and most guys were fighting, even if it was just amateur fights, which they call smokers. And he had done that and then, and then pretty quickly, you know, moved on to other things, but always had an interest in MMA. And so he had kind of fallen behind by several years about what uh, the current fighters were doing, but he knew I knew my thing 
And he said, what should we call this? And I thought about it, and I said, MMA Power Hour. Being a Generation X guy, I think a few movies or something had something Power Hour. And so that was mm. the first thing I thought of. And uh, it's, it, it was great. Now, there was an MMA Hour, which had, which had returned, but which was actually gone for about five years. So the first year and a half, maybe two years, there was MMA Power Hour. And there was MMA Hour, which had been there several years before us, and MMA Power Hour. And um, But then the MMA Hour went away for nearly five years and just recently returned. But we've never had, had any problem with them. And the benefits of when people search for them don't spill over to us, which is disappointing. But the benefits when people search for our name, of course, they pull up their name as well. So I think we've only helped MMA hour, so I'm sure they'd have no problem. Plus, they were doing quite well with Ariel Helwani, who was a very famous, uh, perhaps uh, the most famous or one of the most famous commentators in our sport. But so that was that was it. We basically right out right out of the gate uh, had some very successful guests, and you know I had trained with some UFC fighters and under uh, learned from some UFC fighters, and so I was able to mention some names and say I'd love to have your you know interview you and they said hey if you're studying with this guy you know then yeah then then you're legit and let's give it a shot and I was happy uh in that you know that right away I learned how to to interview people uh it had been several years since I had and had only done a couple of smaller interviews but I got it right away but I won't say that immediately I was great at it I think immediately I was adequate at it and as time went by, because I was so serious and desired to be good at it, and, and it was so important to me to show that I valued these uh, fighter celebrity guests so much that I would do a really good interview and I would listen to them and I would ask good questions, not stupid questions. And as I got more time in and more experience, we were doing we were doing in the beginning closer to three to four hour episodes for the first two and a half years. We even did a few five and six hour episodes but uh after or going into the second year mid-second year we did decide to stick with a two-hour format but um we've hardly missed a week in six and a half years so we have uh over a thousand hours of me interviewing people on our show and then also lots of footage of interviewing people in person and at ufc events and uh I'm not going to say I'm the greatest, most brilliant interviewer in the world, but I do feel I'm up there and competitive with the other people that are very good at it, and I pride myself on that. I Some of them are, are more known than I, but uh, some of them are less known than I. But it's a passion, and it's something I love, and a sport I love, and, and I like talking to people, and it's been, uh, it's been uh, a treat to be able to talk to some of these fighters that uh, – that are so successful and some that uh, that I was fans of prior to doing this. And I've actually had a chance to talk to, I think, seven or eight, nine uh, Hall of Fame members. And so, you know, it was a treat talking to lots of people that, uh, that I've been fans of for many years and people that I'm currently a fan of as well. And did also talk to one movie star, which was great when we, uh, we were able to talk to Frank Grillo, who was um, nice. uh, yeah star of the kingdom? And he was in Captain America and, and so many different uh, so many different shows, and you know had a great chat. So I've been very blessed to have some really good opportunities. There we go. And yeah, you, you touched on some some of the fighters that you said you're a fan of. I guess even before you interviewed them, if you don't mind, which fighters did you watch that 
you looked at and you said, wow, that's a spicy meatball. I like, I like how he or she moves in the octagon. I, I like their style. Would you, would you mind sharing some of those fighters for us? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So there was fighters that I was a fan of before doing this nearly, you know, six and a half years ago. And these are the fighters that, you know, are retired now. Like I, I interviewed uh, Dan Severn, one of the early UFC champions, and Ken Shamrock and uh, Pat Miletic and uh, uh, Frank Shamrock, uh, Kung Lee, Frank Trigg, the late Stefan Bonner. May he rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Um, man, from those early days, I know, I know there's some more. I, I'm, you know, starting to 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 forget a bit. I've got a lot of a lot going on the last few weeks, but um, but yeah, people people like that have been, uh, you know, a, you know that I was fans of for so long. Guy Mesker interviewed Guy Mesker from the Lions Den, you know, just uh, some other really really great fighters as well. There were legends, and and that was awesome because I had watched them from the beginning. And then, um, you know, then you know, Stefan Bonner was like a second generation of that. Some of the early female fighters I got to interview and talk to uh, Tara LaRosa, Misha Tate, Tanya Evinger, hmm. some of the pioneers from the early days. And, uh, you know, and there's just there's a lot of fighters that I admire a lot that um, that I did get to talk to. Michael Bisbing from England, the count. He actually, we had such a good interview. And this was before his YouTube channel had really taken off, or perhaps right before he had even started it. And since then, you know, he's got his own platform. But this was just prior to that. He doesn't really do many interviews now because he's got his own platform. It doesn't help him. But we had a really good chat, and he actually took out his artificial eye on my show. And this is, you know, a video podcast. And he said it was because I was such a good interview and I know my stuff so well. And so that was really awesome that he helped put me over like that, and uh, that was uh, that was a treat, you know, to talk to him and several commentators I've talked to also, and uh, you know, there's just so many so many great people. The legend of my friend, the legendary Cutman Stitch Duran, who's been in dozens of movies, and mm-hmm. he, he's just uh, having a movie coming out of the story of his life, and uh, one of the most recognizable people in combat sports. He's been in so many boxers corners and world title fights and ufc fights and other mma fights and you know just chatting with him having some great chats uh pat militich as well also very unique guy very intelligent guy and uh just uh art davy i i talked to art davy the the co-creator of the ufc mm. on two two occasions about the old days back then and it was first it was him and Horion gracie and then then uh, Bob Meyerowitz came in, and I really got a chance to talk to the uh, get the insight from him on those early early days from the beginning. Had great interviews with John Peretti also, who was uh, uh, the uh, one of their competitors with an organization called Extreme Fighting Championship. I remember the, that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they had four events, and uh, a lot of insight from him. A really unique interesting guy and uh and you know there from the beginning and uh and then also frank grillo the actor he was there from the beginning you know he pointed out that in the documentary choke the hicks and gracie documentary in 1998 he was there with the entourage that was with hickson uh, at one of the valley tudo events and he and i had a great chat because he's a generation x guy as well hmm. and was super interested uh, from the beginning and um 
he had his show, I forget what it's called, Fight Quest or something maybe, where he went to different places and uh, and competed with uh, uh, the best fighters in those countries uh, with different styles. Interestingly enough, there were three American-made documentary-type TV series like that, and I've interviewed all three of the hosts. The, the ones prior to him were uh, Jimmy Smith was in... Uh, fight i thought i think jimmy smith was fight quest or something like that and then uh and then jason um jason chambers was in uh human weapon and they're all similar where they would go and 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 learn a martial art in a a, a this or that country at training it for just several weeks and then go into a match with one of the better guys in the in their weight class uh, for a real fight mm-hmm. and really great all were great shows and uh so yeah just you know been blessed to talk to so many great fighters and the younger fighters too i admire them as well so many of them give such great interviews you know some don't not everyone's a, the, the you know personality is is that important to them as a fighter because that mm-hmm. doesn't really help in their fighting but uh, you know, I haven't really met anyone that's that's been rude to me or or hasn't been respectful, and so many have had have just had so much to say and have, have made my job easy. Good to hear. Well, that's great because sometimes there's nothing worse than yeah getting a subject that doesn't want to be there and will do right. anything in their power to to make it hard and tough for you. Yeah, or they just have only yes or no answers. They exactly, don't really have yeah. anything else to say. Yeah, yeah, you just get those. Dirty one-word answers, but yep. um, I'm picturing a couple now. <laughs> I won't say names. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Um, now you, you did touch on you've seen the the genesis of the UFC. There's been 289 or 290 odd pay-per-views since uh, those early days in Colorado. Did you ever think it was going to be the behemoth that it is today? Excellent question. It wasn't encouraging in the early days when there was no coverage. I mean, literally, in in the United States, you didn't know about this unless you bought the pay-per-view and knew about it. And without the internet being as advanced as it is now, we're going back to 1993 and the 1990s, it was like they were blackballed. You know, Mm. they were excluded everywhere. And so most people in the United States did not even know what this was. And there had been a, there had been a, a, a fighting league called the Tough Man Contest, which I think started maybe two or three years before the UFC. And that was actually a bunch of guys who had to prove that they had no professional boxing record or any combat sports boxing record. And I think they had to prove that they had a very minimal boxing amateur record at best. And they would have them fight while the you know owner was screaming on the microphone, <laughs> get him, get him, get him, get him. And so you'd, when you'd mention the OC, they'd go, oh, yeah, the tough man contest, right? Mm. And you'd say, no, it's not that at all. And people would say, I don't know what it is, what you're talking about. I've never seen that. i never heard of that. And they wouldn't cover it. None of the sports channels, nowhere. And then it got even worse in that 
by the time uh, the sport had been around for about five years, it, it, it was trying to grow by being able to be approved in places that had athletic commissions like, you know, Atlantic City and New Jersey, Las Vegas and Nevada, so on. And they were just getting no, 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 no. You were not going to sanction your event if you come here and you, it'll be shut down. And then things went even worse when uh, Senator John McCain, who's passed on now, <laughs> came out against it saying this is barbaric this is human cockfighting this is terrible and you can't relate it to boxing because boxing's fine and this and that and whatever and so they banned it on on the regular television pay-per-view outlet there was no streaming back then mm. so if you didn't have the satellite which was in this country dish and uh and direct tv then you were counting on it being available on something called uh in demand or on demand tv i think it was and they pulled it off they actually said we're not going to air any more of these pay-per-view events so i used to actually drive 45 minutes and hang out with an ex-girlfriend who we were still on good terms <laughs> and I'd treat her to dinner uh pizza whatever we'd watch the fights she was actually really getting into the fights as well but um it was not looking good it was not looking good. It was looking like the, the bigger question was going to be: Is this all going to be gone? Is this going to be go? Is this going to go away? So I hoped it would make it through, like it has. But uh, in the early days, it didn't look really promising. I'll say, I mean, to be the long and the long of it. Indeed, and it it did survive, and it did go on to thrive. It is ironic that it did start off in Colorado. On the, I guess on the basis that there was essentially no athletic commission out that way. And now Colorado is the hotbed of training activity for so many fighters yep. given the benefits that they get at altitude in the lead up to their, yes. their fights. <laughs> there you are, Factory X and, uh, and uh, Elevation fighting. Yeah. Absolutely. BetUS Sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting. With sports betting, live betting, racebook, online slots, and online casino. It's available across the U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus. Now, I wanted to touch on some of the other mixed martial art competitions that are out there because we're definitely seeing the rise of the PFL, the Professional Fighters League. They've, they've got million-dollar purses that are being fought for. One over in Asia is doing quite well. It has quite a following over on Amazon, and you got the Bellator competition that's run by Scott Coker, and Scott Coker, almost everything that he touches seems to turn to gold. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on some of those competitions? That is a good question, and I'll and I'll I'll, I'll, I'll give you one hundred percent straight answers uh, because, in, in all honesty, my opinion of some of these organizations, it, I, I think, would not be relevant as far as any personal thoughts and experiences. So I'll remove that and just be completely objective. Um, the one championship is huge. Uh, I believe they say if you consider the amount of people that watch around the world, it's a larger amount than that watch the UFC or, or at least quite close. And I think that's because they have, um, you know, our UFC is has fans, as you know now, in Australia because we've had events there, and 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 in uh, England, and but 
with one, they have so many brilliant fighters from, from various different Asian countries as well as other countries. But I think their roster is primarily Asian as uh, UFC's roster is, is still maybe by a bit uh, primarily American. And I think there's just so many people from around the world that are that are cheering for their guy in one championship. So they're very big there. Not nearly as big here. They actually had their first event here in Colorado, funny enough, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, 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 right? and it did go very well. It went extremely well. And they do have some big American stars fighting there. Demetrius Johnson, mm-hmm. Mighty Mouse, as he's known uh, primarily, and then some other really good ones as well. Jared Brooks. A champion is there, Tan Lee, former champion, and then the the Lee family, um, save for the youngest sister who passed away. God bless her in heaven, Victoria Lee. But you got uh, still Angela Lee and uh, Christian Lee. So I think that they're doing quite well. Chatri uh, Sidiatong, who is the Dana White of the uh, one championship, the only difference is that he's the front man and he is the either exclusive owner or majority owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dana White never was that. And I think since the buyout from Endeavor Group, I don't know what stake he has in the in the company at all. I think he was paid out like the Fertitta brothers. But nevertheless, he's the face of it and obviously still making income for his work. But Chatry is really the big boss there and the face of the organization. He's doing some controversial things, saying some interesting things that people have different differences and opinions of here and there, but certainly there, it's a great organization. They have kickboxing and Thai boxing as well, Muay Thai, and it's, it's an exciting organization. It will be interesting to see if they catch on here. If they caught on here and started having regular events here, man, that would be epic because then uh, they would probably be the biggest because I know that they're so established over in Asia, they're normally doing their events. I think their home base is in Singapore. Yeah. But I think right. But I think they're comfortable and have regular venues uh, in in several different locations and could easily get more. And if they started to do several events here, and we're still doing all their events in Asia, you know, I don't know that the UFC could duplicate that or would even try. I think it would be it would be a huge undertaking. <clears throat> excuse me for the UFC because unlike. Uh, one that you know has several locations that they're already using there and it being a bit easier and more straightforward to deal with the united states i i would think as far as for large sports events not that it's hard to deal with some countries in in, in asia but i just you know if what i'm saying is i think that if they were to start doing that i think it would be harder and i don't even know if the ufc would want to take on the idea of all of a sudden starting to do a large amount of events outside of the United States, I think that would be a, a, a take a huge amount of extra work, extra staff members, and I think it, you know I, I don't I don't know if they'd embark on doing that. So if one could pull that off, that'd be huge. But we'll see. They've done one event, but they're doing quite well. Still, not a lot of people in the United States follow them. They had their broadcast on on a on a tape delay. Mm. And they would air it on a Wednesday night frequently. And this is not really the night that people are wanting to watch sports that often here, unfortunately. Uh, so, but there's some fans here, but I think they, they, you know, the market is still somewhat untapped in the USA. PFL has made some interesting, interesting moves. I mean, they signed Francis Ngannou, and if they're signing him, my hope is that he's getting paid for whatever appearance he's making so far, and apparently he's not supposed to fight 
for another year and a half from now or more in 2025, but he's part of the, uh, he's part of the board now. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, I just, I mean, the bottom line is this, they, they better be serious about paying this man. And if there's not activity for him to get into that, uh, includes, uh, fighting, they do, they damn well better be paying him for very handsomely for any appearances that he makes and for just being part of the roster because, yeah. uh, you know, and I would hope that his attorneys and whatever made sure that there's a good deal. But anyway, they, they you know, they've got Jake Paul ready to do something. We haven't seen anything yet except for him wearing the shirt and talking about PFL and that he's a super fight league and whatever. They've had some problems lately that didn't help. They had uh, uh, one of their tournaments begin, I think, about a month and a half ago. And it turns out half of the members uh, failed the banned substances tests for steroids. Mm. And so they, they had to yank all of those guys and replace them, I think, with other guys. And most recently, what they've done is kind of set a precedent, which is... Uh, quite dangerous in most people's opinion where they had uh, uh, two fighters who who didn't really have a lot of fights in their well who I guess didn't have a huge amount of fights in their league that, that were matched against each other even though they could have matched them against someone else. It wasn't like they were both in the final round of a tournament and both of the gentlemen had said listen we're good friends we've trained together for years we've helped each other out we're like brothers hmm. and we'd rather save this for you know perhaps if if we both win the first couple of rounds of the million dollar tournament and then we would be in the opposite bracket toward the end mm-hmm. and they pretty much said nope you guys are fighting right now <sighs> yeah and so what happened was apparently they both made it into more of a technical defense first type of uh, fight mm-hmm and it wasn't the worst fight ever. You've seen fights that were worse than this, you know, especially like sometimes higher ranked fighters fight each other and they have opposite skill sets and they just want to stay out of the other person's uh, uh, advantage. And so it can be quite boring because this person is making very sure that they're not going to be taken down and so they're not striking much and the other person is is desperately trying to get the takedown and is not even going to engage in the striking and it just ends up being a a stalemate as they say in chess Mm -hmm. so anyway in this matchup it turned out to be a anti-climax and it was a caution first but there was a clear winner and then apparently a few days later in an unprecedented move the pfl said well we did we don't like what happened and it seems to me like neither of them were trying to really aggressively batter each other and, and you know, cause harm to each other. And so we feel this was uh, not in good faith. So we're uh, making the decision a no contest. Both men are suspended. <laughs> and the man who did win that was going on to the next spot in the tournament will not be going on to the next spot in the tournament. Wow. Yeah. And so it's really insane because if an MMA organization can do that, this is just a a very slippery slope, in my opinion. Absolutely. I mean, I'm just imagining this happening in another competition. Right, right. I can say this because you have the credential. I'm not trying to put your credential as good. 
Dana wouldn't allow this. Dana, no. he, he would not have this. No, no, it, I could not see that. It would be absolutely insane for the USC to say, "Well, we're we don't like what we saw here. The guys didn't go for it. We know they're friends." So uh, even though this was part of a of a of an elimination where the winner gets this shot or whatever, we're invalidating the fight. The guy who won doesn't get the shot. I don't see how you do that. I don't see how you do that because then, you know, what are you going to do next? Make uh, any, nothing you say can be, can be relied upon. And not only that, but your fighters can't rely. What are your fighters going to think? If I don't make this exciting enough fight for the boss, he's going to, they're going to invalidate the decision. We know how important it is for the fighters to get a result because we know that, uh, for some of them, that, that person or that income that they get is so important. Yes. Uh, people, don't take that into account. Um, so, to, oh yeah, and no contest. That's brutal in terms of yeah, and to be suspended and be removed from the tournament, which you actually legitimately won and advanced in. Mm-hmm. How can I mean the whole big thing? The whole thing with the PFL is they're saying, look, you know, early on in these tournaments where you're probably not getting paid any better than any other organization that people complain about. But should you get to the final match? You get a million dollars if you win it, and I think you're getting two, three hundred or something, or four hundred, even if you lose. And then to say, so the whole idea is come in here, pay your dues, you know, bite down your mouthpiece, fight hard. You won't make that much money, but if you get there to the finals, you'll make money. And then to have someone enter into into uh, something like that and win. And actually say, no, we don't like how you won. We're not, we don't think, you know, you guys didn't go for it. So now, uh, you don't advance. Sorry about that. Yeah. You know, in my opinion, the only way they should do that is they give him the million dollars. Right. Right. And they should say, well, you know what? We're, we're, we're being a bit funny about this. So just to show you good faith, here's the million dollars because we shouldn't be doing this, but we're doing it anyway. I think if they would have done that, I don't think the fighter would have complained. Mm hmm. And that's how you should do it in life. If you've cheated someone out of something, pay them. Yeah, make it better. Right. Make it right. Make and it say, right. listen, you know, we don't we, we don't like what happened here, but we also know it would be absolutely insane to remove you from a tournament which you've advanced. Mm-hmm. But we'll pay you the amount for winning the tournament. That you know what I mean? Then I could actually it still would be a bit shady, but then again, I don't think people would be upset. But to not do that, to say, well, not only are we removing you, but there's no uh you're being suspended as well, and we're not gonna do anything to uh make things right. So, you know, in any case, I mean I know that uh there there's some random people and random media people that are saying, well, no, it was good because these guys got to realize that you got to try to kick your friend's teeth out and you got to try to break his arm and no. his leg and you got to try to, you know, you got to try to break his rib and you got to try to beat the living crap out of him and bloody his face. And I mean, I'm not saying not going for it was the greatest decision, but there's no specification that a fight must be extremely exciting and bloody and 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 damaging because a lot aren't mm-hmm. some guys are quite evenly matched or some guys are more grapplers and you know on the ground but one interesting thing that the fighter that was eliminated after winning said is well i and i forgot how he said it but he said you know i'm very happy that we have a new 
fighter advocate as part of the PFL mm. in the name of Francis Ngannou. Yes. And he said, I'll be reaching out to him to help defend me in this uh, situation. And so it's going to be interesting to see what the response is because I'm not trying to throw any shade at all on Francis, but what he said was, you know, I've come in here and I've, as I did with the UFC, I wanted not only benefits for myself, but I wanted to ensure there was fair treatment of other fighters, many of which who won't receive the same fame and fortune that I'll receive. Mm-hmm. And PFL was the one that said, that's, that's it. That's fine. So, you know, but it, it would put Francis in a bit of an odd situation, being that, you know, the this would be a situation that would be something that the ownership did, and then he, as an employee, would be saying, "Listen, this is not right. I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, and and I, I and I don't envy the position Francis is in because you're a new employee. I don't know. It's kind of odd, isn't it? Francis it is, is. Kind of being put, put in a bit of an awkward spot, right? But I do think that majority of fans and fighters would like him to side with the the winner of this fight and and say this is we got to fix this you you know my hope would be he would say either reverse this decision or pay this man the million dollar tournament winning and even though this was not the finals Mm. of a tournament still my thought would be francis would say either either reverse this decision or pay this man as if he had won the entire tournament indeed so what I'm hearing is that Ngannou is going to have his biggest fight in the PFL before he even takes a corner. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something he really could. It's not, unless he doesn't respond at all to this fighter, in which case he may take some heat. But, you know, anyway, back on quickly to Bellator. Bellator's got great fighters, and they are doing shows with Ryzen. They're mm. doing the only co-promoting, I think, of, of any major organization. And they get out of the country, and they everyone likes Scott Coker. But uh, I sorry again for the allergies here. It's been that That's season right. for me. Appreciate it. One of the things that people I think are finding is a bit odd is that they're. It seems like they're shying away from doing a lot of promotion of uh, of their organization. I, I heard it spoken about several years back, and it's just kind of a murmur, kind of quiet. And then over the last couple of years, it's become a bit louder and a bit louder. And now I'm seeing a lot of people mention on the Internet, you know, when are they going to start doing more promotion of these fights and these Mm -hmm. fighters? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of what I'm hearing is the pervasive chatter, if you will. And uh, a bit curious about it myself, but very good fighters over there for sure. Indeed. And, yeah, it does provoke questions as to – to why the I guess the marketing is a bit lean at the moment. I, I, I don't no. know. Are they seeing something in the economy, maybe, or is there a more darker issue that we're not aware of yet? It does. It's, prob- so it's yeah, you know, it's hard to know because it's not just been since the pandemic that this has just been like for the last like I think five six years. Mm-hmm. Actually, before then it wasn't that different, but Scott Coker wasn't in charge before then. You know, mm-hmm. so actually he's not done any worse than the previous owner or face of the organization but but now there's just so many great fighters and with strike force years ago he, he really did promote them a lot and so it's a bit odd you know so all great organizations but you know trying to be unbiased as far as just reporting the news this is the chatter 
pretty much with a, with all uh, all these organizations. And UFC, you know, not everyone loves them either, but they're the biggest, and and as far as in the United States, and they're keeping on uh, keeping on keeping on pushing on, and uh, so that that's my thought on the four organizations for you. No worries, and we appreciate the real talk. We like that on this show. Thank now, you. I have to ask, you touched on the idea of the biggest. So let's talk about what could be the biggest fight of our time. It, it doesn't have a competition, so you already know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. Yep, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> the fight of the <laughs> century feeling. that we didn't yeah. know that we needed, but we're yeah. probably going to get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, these would be certainly the the wealthiest men to have ever put on uh, the gloves and at least in a high profile fight that anyone has heard of. In fact, I'm sure guys that uh, this rich anyone would have heard of. So certainly, it'd be the two richest men by far ever to to you know put on the gloves. Funny concept, I mean, but. You know, let's let's explore it. You've got a, a 38, 39 now, I think, or a year old Mark Zuckerberg, who's based on online statistics about five foot seven, give or take, maybe slightly taller, and maybe one hundred and fifty five pounds, give or take. So, right there at the MMA lightweight limit for a title fight or even one pound head, whatever he's right there he's lightweight and mm-hmm. uh although walking around at a lightweight doesn't you mean you usually fight at a lightweight as you know with weight cutting mm-hmm. but i don't think these guys i don't think wait a second well for sure uh, if anyone's going to be cutting weight it would not be uh zuckerberg because musk is 50 pounds heavier approximately so Nevertheless, you'd have a, you'd have a five foot seven guy who walks around at one fifty five against a six foot one or six foot two guy who walks around a bit out of shape at two hundred some pounds, uh, fifty one years old. Mark Zuckerberg's apparently been training jujitsu on and off for several months or something, which is doesn't make you a, a, a wizard in Brazilian jujitsu, as I'm sure you know. Mm-hmm. But right, but it's better than not training jujitsu at all. And uh, apparently, had a, had a competition where we did we did well. We won, and uh, as far as any experience in striking, it's I think it's kind of unknown. Apparently, fighting in the streets in South Africa is something that Elon actually did, <laughs> right? But this would have been in like the 1980s, mm. or you know. And it's really kind of interesting because the fact that Elon is 51 years. Years old, I think, puts a bit of an odd spin on it, right? If they were both in their late 30s or even younger, I could see this progressing a lot quicker. Mm. However, 51 is not... I mean, we've seen Mike Tyson, Roy Jones, and some of these other guys fight in their 50s, and they look great. Now, they were professional fighters. Mm-hmm. So, it's interesting also to see what the what they'd be fighting for. A... Is it just completely going to be for fun or, or for raise money for charity? Although you wonder when guys have bank accounts that have so many zeros at the end, why do they need to get money to raise it for charity? There we go. You know, it, it's a bit odd to me. As mm. you know, I mean, it is a touch odd. However, apparently these guys have a lot of their money uh, spoken for. And they like to keep a certain balance for their legacy and, and dynastic wealth that they have. And so perhaps maybe that's their thought. Is that certainly I'm not going to, I'm already giving what I'm giving to charity. But if we earn $100 million extra, I'll give it all to charity. 
So I guess you can understand that. Is there a point to it? I mean, po- politically, they definitely have different leanings. Elon Musk is leaning uh, very much toward free speech and and was uh, a member of the Democratic Party for many years while he was here and has switched recently to the uh, Republican Party or at least a more center independent party man with uh, seemingly conservative values and wanting the world to kind of re- return to normalcy in many ways and and believing in a you know kind of a fair shake for everyone as far as speech on the internet and on the flip side mark zuckerberg uh, a far left progressive uh, democrat and um has spent a good deal of time uh ensuring that the voices of his side of the political coin were the only ones heard mm. on his meta uh, platforms. Mm-hmm. And then subsequently admitting that the government had, had exerted some pressure on him to do that. But, uh, you know, still, you, you, hard to imagine that someone with his power would let people push him around. You know, it didn't sound like he had much of an issue with it because they were they were exerting pressure on him to, to go the direction he wanted to go anyway. Mm. So this could perhaps be based on ideology from both of them, you know, to say, hey, well, if I win, who knows, maybe they'll have a side bet. If I win, you'll consider changing your political stance. <laughs> to, I don't know what the hell it would be. Or at least for a week or wearing a shirt that says I feel this way for a week or, you know, who knows. But uh, but anyway, what it comes down is this. You have the much bigger man, taller and heavier, being 51 years old, 12 and a half years older. And those are significant 12 and a half years as you have, you have not as many people at 39 competing in sports as at 29, but Mm. certainly there are a good deal of people that are 39 competing in various sports. You don't have virtually anybody competing at high level sports at age 51, except for when you have Mike Tyson and Roy Jones and some of these guys coming back for matches and they're decidedly slower and less able than they used to be, even though they did look great. Indeed. And I will say that Roy Jones is pound for pound the best combat sports rapper in the game. Indeed. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> I love Roy. As a Generation X guy, Roy was our guy. I mean, like, I I was even, you know, I was so happy that he did well enough in that fight, which I thought he won against, uh, against MMA fighter uh, Anthony Pettis. But a lot of people were saying he was going to get knocked cold and look silly. And I'm so glad that uh, that didn't happen. But I also wanted to make sure people knew that when they're looking at a guy who was 53 years old or whatever, they don't know the real Roy Jones mm-hmm. in his prime. He was mm-hmm. fire, man. He was fire. He was like Floyd Mayweather if Mayweather had knockout power. Are you ready to stay fit this winter? Get off the couch with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Sign up now to their mobility and movement program. Use the code PSP15 to get 15% off the one-time purchase of the program. Then it's yours forever. No additional subscriptions or fees. The program is available worldwide. Now, back to the show. Thank you for yep. saying that that on the end, because I think a lot of people forget that. Yeah. I, I respect Mayweather's record, but yeah, his style is a lot different to the style of Tyson, Jones, yeah. Lennox yep. Lewis, Evander Holyfield, those guys from, I guess you say, bo- boxing's 
golden age, if you will. Right. Yep. Yep. Because that's that's when I used to watch the fights with my father back, uh, rest in peace, back in the day. And you wanted to see those knockouts. Tyson was delivering knockouts within like seconds. Yep. Mayweather's more of like a, uh, I wouldn't say technical, more, I guess, scientific with his punches. Um, He definitely let his footwork do the positioning for him around the ring. Right. It's a different style of fighting. Right. Defense oriented, which is not so so fan friendly. Mm-hmm. Although a great fighter in his own right, but uh, yeah, my father's passed as well. So you know, may he rest in peace too. And I did watch some fights with him, although not a lot. He was a uh, very busy working most of the time, but he was he was there as a great dad. But yeah, Roy Jones can knock people out leaning backwards, which mm-hmm. is quite difficult to do because you don't have any leverage going forward. He was you know, and his defense was as good as Mayweather and his offense was better and um yeah just a, a brilliant brilliant fighter i mean in all honesty you know like as an mma guy i was glad that anthony pettis did well in that fight too being that he was fighting a naturally bigger man but was a what 20 nearly a 20 year not 20 but 18 year age difference or whatever and you know i was talking to several fans who said you know if roy was 10 years younger he would have knocked pettis out in about four rounds or three and if Roy was 20 years younger or 25 years younger, he would have knocked out Pettis in one, right. maybe one minute even. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So Pettis was very lucky he was getting like a 53-year-old uh, Roy Jones. But, yeah, so Musk, yeah, Musk, uh, Musk and Zuckerberg, very interesting matchup. So this is what I've kind of decided. They would have to give them a fair amount of time to train, especially, especially Musk, the mm-hmm. 51-year-old who's overweight, by probably 20 pounds now. I'm not sure enough, Australia, if you know American weight measurement. Uh, it's uh, 20 pounds. It would be, hang on, hang on. Uh, give, give me a second. I can get to this. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> that would be 32 kilograms. Uh, I don't think so because uh, a, a kilogram, I think, is 2.2 pounds, I believe. Or is that yeah, miles? Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I think it's about 10. He's like 10 kilograms overweight. About right. if not more, maybe fifteen, mm-hmm. and and Zuckerberg is not overweight at all at thirty nine. So you'd have to give, in all fairness, you'd have to give probably I'd say four to six months to Elon Musk to not only get in good shape, but to uh, practice and learn some combat sports. If they were to say no, that's not going to happen. This is done uh, at, at, at Mark Zuckerberg's whim on one week's notice <laughs> or something like that, right? Then probably Zuckerberg wins. Right. Because there'd just be no time for Musk to get into shape or to train or do anything unless Musk is preparing for that and already deciding to do that, but which wouldn't surprise me because these guys uh, like him mostly don't get where they are by being stupid but i would say though if they did give a fair amount of time then what it would come down to this is on the ground a lot of people are saying well on the ground uh zuckerberg taps a musk out like this i mean while that's possible people need to understand that if someone has earned a belt or two blue belt or purple belt and you know been doing this for eight months or 13 months or whatever this is not like being a black belt jujitsu in reality you're not necessarily going to tap out anybody quickly uh especially someone who's a lot heavier than you Mm -hmm. uh so i think that's not 
going to happen. But if it went to the ground and if uh, if if Musk decided not to learn any jujitsu and, and didn't even get into a reasonable condition, then yeah, he probably would lose by uh, by submission. But if it stays on the feet. Probably Elon Musk can win this fight, especially if he's given time, because he's got a, a, a great deal of reach advantage, height advantage, and mm. weight advantage. However, 13 years older, he's slower. But Roy Jones and Mike Tyson have shown that you can still be fairly quick and fast, if not extremely quick and fast, in your 50s. It's not like you're 60 years old or 70. And even then, some people can be, you know, pretty amazing. But my thought is that, uh, is that if you know, and and I'll tell you what, if Musk were to dedicate himself to Brazilian jiu-jitsu and do it uh, every day, every other day, let's say for recovery for six months, one of the things that comes easier in jiu-jitsu is defending and mm. defense over offense. So if he were to learn, you know, just just cram on the jiu-jitsu and make sure to, his defense is good then it's possible because Zuckerberg isn't really a high-level jiu-jitsu guy by any stretch of the imagination that that Musk could be okay on the ground as well. And then we're assuming that uh, the reflexes would be better for Zuckerberg being 12 and a half years younger, which it would be, but he doesn't really look like he, a great athlete. And not only that, we don't know how good his chin is as well. Mm-hmm. Right, and imagine if Elon Musk got into shape and was still close to two hundred pounds, you know, and you know, hundred kilograms or whatever, and then you have Zuckerberg at like, uh, you know, seventy-five kilograms. You know, imagine Musk connected and hit him hard. Oh, he get knocked down. He might not get up again. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, so, but there's a lot of questions because how. How much of a chin does Zuckerberg have? How much of a chin does Musk have? How athletic what were either of them ever? Here's one thing I can say. We've kind of been able to follow Mark Zuckerberg for the last 20 years since he was quite young, hmm. being that he came up with Facebook when he was quite young, and there hasn't really ever been any reporting of him participating in athletic events, being a combat sports fan. Hmm going into any gym to, to punch, even any traditional karate, nothing, right? It's pretty clear. His life has been documented for the last 20 years, and unless it's been some big secret, which I doubt, then he has not been involved in anything like that. Elon Musk, we don't really know much of what he was doing in his personal life in the 1980s and 90s. You know, apparently he was in some street fights in South Africa. He may be a combat sports fan. He may have had a punching bag in his in his house that he he hit every day. He may have some friends that were involved in combat sports. He's lived 51 years and only been kind of really prominent in the public life for, say, maybe a dozen of those. Hmm. So we don't know what he's been doing. We know Zuckerberg wasn't big into combat sports and any sort of physical training. We don't know whether uh, Musk was. Something tells me, Colin, you can agree or disagree, something tells you that this shot over the bow that Elon sent out last week that's created this whole uh, fight, I feel like he would have sent it out after a training session. That's just my thoughts. I feel like Elon was feeling himself after a training session. He, you know, grappling maybe or he's doing some sparring with someone and he thought, you know what? I'm going to call out Zuckerberg. What do you reckon? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, you know. Um, although, was it he that made the first move on that, or was it Zuckerberg? I don't know. I, I, I It seemed like it was being made to seem like it was Zuckerberg, but was it Musk that did? Or? I, I believe it was Musk, and then Zuckerberg responded with sending location, which we, we know where that yeah, came from. <laughs> from Habib, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's great. I like it, because then, you know, because in all honesty, if it were the other way around, I would have thought it would be a bit... How do we say a bit chicken shit to call out a 51-year-old yeah. when you're 38 and a half, 39, you know, even if they are bigger than you. But if it was the the, the older man that called in, then they're there, yeah. I mean, people can say it may be a bit chicken shit for him to call out a, a, such a smaller man, but I don't think so because of the age difference, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? I mean, mm -hmm. I used to be really fast. I don't give my exact age, but as a Generation X guy, obviously I'm older than 44 years old. Because that's the cutoff, I believe, for Generation X, 43, 44. And mm -hmm. I'm actually quite a few years older than that. So um, I used to be really fast because because having my uncles, having boxed. And I was a good athlete. I'm not going to say great, but I was a good to very good athlete, at least in the junior high school level, high school. We went to different high schools, so I don't have uh, a lot of organized sports to, to prove that. But I was participating in uh, American football uh, soccer, which is mm -hmm. European football, uh, tennis, and uh, track and field events as well during those years. And um, I was really fast. And then I was in my 20s, I was really fast. Then in my 30s, I still was pretty darn fast. And then uh, in my early mid-40s, I started to notice that I wasn't really as fast and, like, decidedly. And then I uh, even, you know, past that, even less fast. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm fast, and now it looks like someone's turned the turned the controller down to slow motion, you know. But you yeah. know, still though, you know, still though, it, you know, it's uh, you know, Musk. <laughs> no, I mean, not only that, but he would have enough money to have the very best people there working with him, and the very best sports massage, and. Uh, and the very best people working on his uh, on his reflexes. I mean, could you imagine the the equipment he could have brought out there to measure his reaction rate and have people there working on his accuracy with his strikes mm. and his making sure that his posture and his form are perfect. And you know, there's not so much you can do to make someone faster, but you can make someone quicker. Mm -hmm. You know, right? And uh, and then Zuckerberg's got all that money too for that as well. But, you know, it's so, but it begs this question. If you had that much money, would you be really interested in getting out there and perhaps making a fool of yourself in a, uh, in a, in a fight? I mean, I guess for fun, it's a, I don't know. I, I, I wonder if I would, I don't know. You almost think that uh, men in their position who are, extraordinarily wealthy some of them are probably scoffing at this saying come on be serious we're we're you know we've got the you know dynastic wealth what the hell are you doing <laughs> why would you do this like a, a ruffian in the street you know when you're like a king <laughs> you know what i mean so i don't know what do you think would you do uh, something like that if you were that wealthy? It's like uh it's like being marooned in the ocean right i said what i said you know exactly what i'm referring to but um Yep. Yep. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Right? But, um, because, yep. and let's face it, it's a fight to the death. Well, that's, that's often how it is. And thankfully, a lot of people don't die in the ring or in the octagon, but it is like that. That's the intensity. Like, 
guys and girls are fighting for their lives out there. It's, it's a war, as a lot of commentators say. So, billionaires going out there, potentially maiming themselves or putting themselves in a worse yeah. physical position. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I, I wouldn't do that, but that's right. not that's not my choice. Um, right. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, and then I think also I don't think they have the support of too many MMA fighters because I mean I guess the good thing is all the money they would earn would be donated to, to uh you know, to charity, uh, at least, hopefully, at least what they're saying. But I think, yeah, a lot of fighters, I think, may find this slightly insulting mm-hmm. that two, two jackasses like this are thinking they're going to fight. But, you know, I I mean, not to drag this on and go, of course, if you, you've got more, I'm sure. But but you could say that Jake and Logan Paul and KSI and these guys could be kind of the predecessors of this. But the difference is they were younger men. And they were uh, uh, prior athletes to some extent, mm-hmm. to some degree, right? But I think that I think that can you can you necessarily hate the celebrity guys that are younger that are doing this? Can you necessarily not hate them, but yet hate Musk and Zuckerberg, or is it completely different? What would you think? What would your feeling be? And now I'm, I'm, I'm becoming the interviewer. No, I, <laughs> sorry I'm, about I'm that. I'm okay with this. I'm okay with this because I'll be honest. I'm I'm not a fan. I wasn't a fan of the that kind of I guess you could say exhibition boxing right. that we've seen yep. because it's they're, they're fighting for fun. It doesn't really count. The the athletic commissioners they don't really know what to, how to go about it in terms of right. how to grade these things. It's really they're fighting. There's no real winners. Uh, I feel it's kind of cheapened the sport of boxing, a sport that kind of needs all the help it can get to survive. Now that yes, it's effectively been surpassed by MMA in the the present day, I I, I get why the Paul brothers did what they did. That I guess they're trying to bring to the forefront, you know, some of the conditions. Yep. They want to try and improve things for fighters, but I think overall it has weakened boxing a little bit. In terms of answering your question, can I? hate on one and not hate on the other. <laughs> I feel like for me, it's I'm, I'm just consistent. I'm, I'm, I'm not down with either one. So Right. I'll, Understood. I'll, I'm staying consistent. I wasn't down with the Paul Brothers and KSI and those guys and this is more power to Musk and Zuckerberg. They want to fight it out, fight it out, but it doesn't move the needle for me. Yeah. No, I agree. I was just thinking, what if they put in something where they had a tag team fight and on the one side you had uh, Jake Paul and Elon Musk, and on the other side you have like uh, Tommy Fury again, who would ah. beat Jake Paul <laughs> along with uh, Zuckerberg. <laughs> what, what about this? Why don't we just like make the whole card just billionaires? Let's, let's get Stan Kroenke in there up against like um, Bezos. Exactly. Let's yeah. just, <laughs> let's just have a full card of all these billionaires. Just get in there, get on with it. Let's have. Muhammad bin Salman against um, the guy from Abu Dhabi. Let's let's just get the full card of all these billionaires. Let's fight it out and let's get it out of our system. <laughs> there we go. That would be brilliant. I like that. And get some aggressions and then uh, who knows? Maybe all of a sudden they'd be have so much respect for the uh, combat sports they would decide to uh, – create a league and pay everyone well really well and uh and go from there i like that idea and there we go we have house style right against um john henry get that boston new york rivalry going again love it love All it. right yeah that'll be quite the card now without a doubt colin i realize i've taken up a lot more of your time than i anticipated that's okay that's but right. i feel like you'll be back on in the future we'll definitely have to have you and kobe 
talk about the, some of those earlier fights because I know he's a big fan of the early days of the UFC. He used to, he used to purchase a lot of those VHS tapes back in the day, so you'll nice. have much to talk about later on. But um, where can we find you on social media? So mostly what I'm what I'm embracing here is Twitter. Uh, like my friends in Scotland say Twar. <laughs> Search me out on Twar, right? Uh, so, so yeah, Twitter is really what I'm putting most of my, my energy and focus on. And, uh, and I'm at Colin Crandall 33, which is the handle. And then I guess, I don't know what they call which one. The top one just says Colin Crandall MMA. And then below that, it's the at. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's your handle once you're at. So at Colin Crandall thirty three. That's three three numer- the numbers not spelled out. At Colin Crandall thirty three. Colin Crandall MMA. And then um, you know I do have a Facebook and Instagram, but I and at one point we were focusing tremendously on Facebook, and so you see a lot of our content that has ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand views on uh, some of our videos over the years there. We kind of missed the boat thinking that Facebook was going to turn out to be the place and kind of ignored YouTube. Uh, we've changed that now by putting a bunch of stuff up over the last few years, but not a, a huge effort there. So you'll see a lot of our content there. Some of it has thousands of views. Some of it uh, does not. And that's at MMA Power Hour on YouTube. And even more uh, importantly, our distributor is a friend of ours, uh, Hannibal, The Hannibal TV. And he's got a channel with about 375,000 uh, YouTube subscribers, I think, which started out as professional wrestling. He was uh, uh, had a couple of MMA fights and was a Canadian uh, Greco-Roman uh, wrestling uh, champion. I think he was an Olympic tri- Olympic trials, and he was a junior uh, uh, Olympic or national champion or something like that. And uh, wow. a really good guy. So it's the Hannibal TV, uh, and um, there you'll see a lot of our past footage over the years. Like I said, nearly every single week. And uh, but for this year, we're doing the MMA Power as a Twitter Spaces audio-only podcast. But we do record them and leave them up there, and we've had some great guests come in and some great people come in and chop it us up with us. And I got a lot of people that are regulars that I you know, allow to have questions to the fighters and give their opinions, and we always break down the fights. And, you know, I'm also doing uh, another show called the MMA from London to L.A. Hmm. that we're, we're releasing weekly on uh, the Hannibal TV and he puts them up usually on a Tuesday night and I've got two uh, of my my mates over there in England both just outside London uh, I don't want to say the cities they've never said I can say the cities they live in I was about to but I gotta realize I don't want to accidentally be doxing people or people are, but, <laughs> but great guys and, and I love doing that and then doing some interviews also for the UFE ultimate fan experience and uh, yeah, those are the places you'll find me. I appreciate all your patience with me giving every single uh, bit of uh, of uh, information to to track me down. It's very no, kind you've of you've got a wealth of of knowledge and experience. So definitely appreciate you sharing that. And appreciate your time. Can we get a bold prediction for you for the rest of 2023 in combat sports? Wow, yeah, that's a that's a very good question. Well, a lot of people are going to be anticipating whether the Zuckerberg uh, uh, and Musk fight happens, and if it does, it may turn out to move the needle, or it may not. It's going to it'll be interesting. I think that people are very much wondering about Conor McGregor 
He was supposed to, uh, this is supposed to be a fight set up with Michael Chandler. That was the whole point of both of them being coaches Hmm. on the Ultimate Fighter. And now apparently he didn't even get into the uh, USADA pool, which is, you know, what you have to be in uh, for six months prior to fighting Mm -hmm. uh, if you're going to be allowed to fight. However, I guess they can make exceptions sometimes have they had in the past, but now it's looking like that fight's not not going to happen. So I think the question is 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 Connor going to fight anyone or nobody this year? And I feel like probably nobody. But I feel like if he if that happens, he's going to lose even more fans. Although although he brings excitement, so people always want to see what he's going to do. I think probably the one championship is going to try to do at least another one or two events here. And I think if they don't, that's probably going to be a sign that they're not going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? Boxing has a huge fight with Errol Spence and uh, Terrence Crawford. And I'm hoping to God that that doesn't fall out for any reason. Because most of us have wanted to see that fight for, what, three years. Mm-hmm. And I think that could bring some more attention to boxing, especially if the fight is really competitive or has some sort of an exciting ending. And uh, I think, I don't know, Hope I mean, Amanda Nunes retired in the UFC. It'll be interesting to see who the new uh, women's uh, bantamweight championship champion will be. Uh, it sounds like the featherweight division for the women is no more. Hmm. Right, so it sounds like there will be no featherweight division or anyone vying for her featherweight title. Although you don't don't quote me on that because I'm not sure, but it sounds like that. Mm-hmm. Not certain. Um, I hopefully will find that I've found the the proper uh, allergy medicine, so I don't have to uh, muck up uh, interviews uh, with sniffling. <laughs> I appreciate your patience and understanding, and I will look for that. And um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of great fights. And uh, hopefully the pay-per-view uh, prices do not continue to get higher. We're inching our way toward $100, which I think is uh, disgusting. Mm. Yeah. And uh, in the United States, I think $80, $85 for a pay-per-view event. And this is, uh, this is during quite bad times economically for mm-hmm. the world. And so, don't want to see that because I think I think if it does get to the 100 mark, oh, oh, that's where a bunch of people are going to draw the line. I think that's where a bunch of people are going to say, you know what? I don't care if I am 45, 50 years old. I'm going to go to the sports bar to watch this fight. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not going to pay that. And then you're going to have mob scenes at the sports bar. And the good thing is. Uh, you know the forty-five and fifty-year-olds probably are not going to start too many fights in the uh, in the uh, sports bars and pubs. Not that we can't, but you know we have the sense not to. There you know, go. plus like you know, right? Plus, I was saying, you know, we still have the strength and power, but your reflexes are a bit slower. So, especially you know, you're 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 you know in a in a big crowd and kind of locked in. Who knows what you can do when you're old. But, uh, you know, who knows? you got to be careful, though. Your old guys are just just like I tell my friends in their 20s and 30s. You know, your dad might not be quick and fast, but would you rather have your dad behind you and then a really bad, dire situation or one of your friends, one of your mates? And most people in their 20s will say their dad because, you know, guys in their 40s and 50s are tough. Old man's strength is yes. undefeated. Yes. Yes, it is. Anyway, but, yeah, you've been brilliant. Nye, it, it is, right? Yeah. Hey. 
me. Thank you. This has been a, a great interview, and I, I really appreciate it. All your questions were 100% on point and, uh, and, and quite good. I appreciate that feedback, and it's a pleasure to have you on. I, I really mean it when I say that you will definitely be back on because you've, you've been one of the guests that's really shared some insights, and you weren't afraid to tell it how it is, so we love that on this show. And Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience. Where no sport is left behind.